Welcome, fellow seekers. My name is Nathan, and this is the Law of One and Spiritual Concepts podcast, where I share my interpretations of the Law of One and other related topics. Today, we're going to be discussing the archetypal mind and the study of the tarot. Admittedly, this is a topic I found to be quite daunting at first, but ended up being much more manageable and fascinating the more I got into the study. This topic became particularly interesting to me after seeing the excitement and the emphasis in Ra's words during the responses relating to the tarot. It's as if they'd been waiting to get into some of these juicier topics, and finally, in breaching these, were quite excited to share what they had to offer. I know this topic is sometimes one that people avoid or may not be drawn to initially due to the complexities and denseness of it, but if given a chance, I think one might find this to be a great resource. So today, I'm hoping to provide an overview on the study of the archetypal mind and the tarot as an entry point into this topic. So to start, let's look at what the archetypal mind is. This is a level within our own deep subconscious mind complex, or as Ra calls it, the roots of mind. This stems from the analogy of the mind complex representing a tree, with the conscious mind being the branches and all the tops of the trees that we can see, then leading down to the intuition, which is the trunk. Below this, then, the earth represents the veil and everything in our unconscious mind. The levels here consist of the personal unconscious as the first level below the surface, then the racial mind, planetary mind, archetypal mind, and cosmic mind, leading to the spirit complex. So as you can see, the archetypal mind is quite deep in this roots of mind analogy. And what it is specifically is a blueprint or an architecture of the nature of evolution of mind, body, and spirit. Each sublogos or solar logos creates their own refinements to this archetypal mind. So therefore, all third density entities within the domain of that solar logos will share the same archetypal mind. This point is further emphasized in session 74.4 in this partial quote where Ra says, the archetypal mind may be defined as the mind which is peculiar to the logos of this planetary sphere. Thusly, unlike the great cosmic all-mind, it contains the material which it pleased the logos to offer as refinements to the great cosmic beingness. The archetypal mind, then, is that which contains all facets which may affect mind or experience. These facets that Ra talks about then take shape in the images shown on the 22 tarot cards known as the Major Arcana. This was given to the Egyptians by Ra as a way to study the archetypes of mind, body, and spirit, which are intended to inform the mind of its own nature. So basically, the tarot is the study of the archetypes and the study of the mind of the Logos, which is therefore our own mind. The images shown on these 22 tarot cards were drawn by the Egyptians based on information they had received from Ra in a way to symbolize what each archetype represents. Ra also notes that there was some Sumerian influence in some of the images and pictures shown on these tarot cards. If you'd like to refer to the specific set that we'll be looking at that LL Research used during this channeling, I'll leave a link in the description below. Even though we won't be diving into the specific pictures of each archetype, I still think it'd be helpful to reference as a way to see what is depicted in each image and how this correlates then to the specific archetype. 
These tarot cards can be broken down into three main groups of seven, with cards one through seven representing the mind cycle, cards eight through 14 representing the body or physical complex cycle, then cards 15 through 21 representing the spirit cycle, then with the last card representing the choice, which is when the polarized entity has chosen to work towards being service to others or service to self. This card also has a lot of unique interactions with each of the previous cards to consider. The intended use by Ra of these tarot cards is slightly different than what we commonly think of and see today as tarot readings. This intention is seen then as a tool to learning of the archetypal mind. This can be done through studying the various images shown on each card, interpreting them, and then correlating how this relates to the specific archetype afterward. The study can then be taken further by embodying the archetype or by comparing different relationships between various other archetypes. I think this point is also highlighted in session 78.33, where Ra says, You may well consider the very informative difference between a thing in itself and its relationship or functions. There is much study of archetype, which is actually the study of functions, relationships, and correspondences. The study of planets, for instance, is an example of archetypes seen as function. However, the archetypes are, first and most profoundly, things in themselves, and the pondering of them and their purest relationships with each other should be the most useful foundation for the study of the archetypal mind." End quote. So now we'll continue from here and look at the various names of the cards that are associated with the three groups of seven one for mind, one for body, and one for spirit. They all utilize the same headings, but are specific to that associated section. So the first is the matrix. So that would be the matrix of the mind, the matrix of the body, and the matrix of the spirit. This then continues for the potentiator, catalyst, experience, significator, transformation, and the last is the great way. Without getting into too much detail, I'll try to give a high level of what each of these seven categories represent. The matrix represents the conscious aspect of things, but is unpotentiated or unfed. The potentiator, then, has to do with the unconscious aspects, which sometimes includes things such as motivation or awakening. Catalyst is an opportunity or something that occurs that can lead to an experience. Experience is then what happens or what precipitates this catalyst. The significator then is what recognizes significance from the experience. This is commonly paired also with the choice. Then the transformation is what occurs based on the result of this choice after finding significance in it. And finally, the great way. This is typically involved with seeing the bigger picture of what's going on. This also tends to be associated with growing or polarizing to the point of being able to see through the veil. I'll give one more example of these to, to try to nail this point home, and this was from Don Elkin's book called The Law of One, Accelerating Personal Evolution. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to finish the work before his passing, but this was the overview of the archetypes that he gave. He had shown the matrix as a barren plain. The potentiator was a waterfall, ready to cause a river to cross the plain. Catalyst, then, was any unexpected variable of terrain encountered by the flowing water. The experience was signified by the ability of the water to cope with variables. 
the significator was the final eroded riverbed in the barren plain. Then a transformation is a more precisely and deeply cut channel. And then we have the Great Way, which can be an example of the Grand Canyon, so the final big picture outcome of all the previous steps. I really like this analogy that Don shows us here, and I think it helps make sense of these processes here, and shows the interactions between the two as well, to then ultimately end up in a realization of the self as the creator, and ideally leading to making the choice to be of service to others or service to self. So from here, I wanted to look at why the study of the archetypal mind is so important. But before this, I wanted to point out that Rod does recognize two other methods, aside from the study of the tarot, that they would recommend as a way to learn about the archetypal mind, which consisted of the study of astrology, so the 12 signs, or then choosing the tree of life study and looking at the 10 sephiroth and the 22 relationships between the stations. Ra does indicate that one path will likely stick out to each seeker. However, it's important to stick to just one path once there has been one chosen by the seeker. This will then provide the opportunity for one to get the disciplined mastery of the specific subject necessary. Basically, what I'm taking out of this is it's not very good to go down and learn just a little bit about each. In order to get to the level of depth necessary to understanding the archetypal mind, one must really commit themselves to it and continue down one path to be able to gain the understanding necessary. So with that, I want to start looking at why this information is important. And I'd like to initially point out that it seems the archetypes is the culmination then of all of the previous study given in the raw material. And two things that particularly stood out to me was that the practice of the healing process that Ra gives in session 5.2 and 6.1 seemed to dovetail very nicely with the process of understanding the archetypal mind, since both revolve around a detailed understanding of the mind, the body, and the spirit, and of course the interactions between them. Another corollary then had to do with the disciplines of the personality, so that know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. I feel that these practices, along with many others, can be enhanced through the process of studying the tarot of the archetypal mind. Ra considers this study of the archetypal mind to be one of the richest sources of information for the seeker of the one infinite creator. I think this has to do partially with the fact that a third density entity is the one who is actually doing or living the incarnational experience of these archetypes. The archetypes are just the blueprint. They cannot do the experiencing. So if we begin to interpret, analyze, and internalize these various archetypes, this can be a powerful tool to aid us in polarizing towards fourth density. So towards fourth density service to others or service to self. Along these lines, in 88.23, Ra also considers this study to be a tool to gain further knowledge of the self by the self for the purposes of entering a more profound, acute, realized present moment. <laughs> so, this is a rather eloquent way, I think, of saying we have the ability to increase our awareness through the study of these archetypes to then begin to see them in patterns in our mind in our day-to-day -day activities, which then ultimately ends up making the present moment more vivid and available for learning, which in turn therefore allows us to polarize to a great extent and then offer the greatest service possible in our incarnational experience. 
So I think that'll be a good stopping point for now, at least on the overview of the study of the archetypal mind in the tarot. I'm hoping to do a future episode that will cover the general guidelines or understandings of some of these tarot images to help one in their journey. Since Rod does indicate that each mind-body-spirit complex shall perceive each of these archetypes in their own way. I hope you found this information helpful, and I look forward to going into more detail at a later date. For now, I leave you in the love and in the light.